I'm so stupid. I'm such a loser. I don't deserve to be happy. No one wants my opinion. I'm going to die sad and alone. I can't do anything right. I'm so ugly. I wish I could just disappear. Everyone thinks I'm disgusting. I'm such a failure. I'm not talented enough. I don't deserve to be loved. I have too much baggage. Life is hopeless. I hate myself. Those are what we call self-talk. And they might be things that though they aren't true, they may not be true, but sometimes they certainly feel true. Because we, we all have a tendency to, to believe that we wouldn't lie to ourselves, would we? So if we're feeling a certain way, it must be true. Self-talk is real. And it's creating real problems. Feed Youth Ministry is an organization that studies uh, teenagers all across uh, America. And they released a, uh, some findings a couple of months ago that 35% of teenagers have had suicidal thoughts in the last three months. That's one in three since school started in August. And uh, whether you're a teenager or not, teenager or an adult, if you are having suicidal thoughts, can you just hear me out? You are loved. You are so important to so many people. And listen, listen, listen. Don't do it. Literally, every person in this room wants you here with us. God loves you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has dreams for you. God sent his son to give his life to save you because God believes you are worth saving. You are worth Jesus to God. Don't do it 
too many people love you. And if you need somebody to help get, take the first step toward getting better, you reach out to me and you reach out to anybody in our staff. We're easy to find at mountaintopchurch.com. Every single one of our emails is on there. We're easy to find and we will help you find the right help to get you to a better place. Well, my name is Carter McKenna. I'm lead pastor here at Mountaintop, and this is why this series, The Unseen Me, is so important, because this topic is so important in our world and our culture. And by the time we're done today, I, I hope we're going to find, I believe we're going to find a strategy that the Apostle Paul says is critical with dealing with this self-talk with our emotional and our mental unseen me and unseen you. But one of the problems with all of this negative self-talk, with all of these bad things that we say, is that they don't just appear out of nowhere, do they? They often come from something that happened to us. Because with all the thoughts in our minds, sometimes it was trauma. Like, you just, you, something happened to you traumatic, and it's left an indelible mark, and maybe it's impacted the way you see yourself. For some of you, it was abuse of any kind, and it made you think a certain way about yourself. For some of you, it was hurt. You were hurt by somebody you loved. You were hurt by somebody you trusted. Some of you were hurt by the church. And it's made you feel certain things about yourself. Sometimes it was heartache, right? You, you just got your heart broken in a relationship. For some, it was romantic. For some, it was a friend that really broke your heart. It's made you have trust issues. It's made you think some things about yourself that may not be true. For some of you, it's disappointment. Disappointment in a, in a career. Disappointment in where you're at in life. Disappointment in an organization. And sometimes it's not necessarily something bad, but it's just experiences that happen that are a part of our lives. Like you moved when you were in the 10th grade and you left all your friends and it was just a really hard experience. Like you had two grandparents die within six months of one another and they were in their late 80s and early 90s and it was, they had a great life, but that experience just did something to the inside of you because they were the two grandparents that you were closest to. We have things that we kind of carry with us. This idea of these things that are inside of us uh, was really brought to light by Leah Taylor, who has been a part of our conversation that we've been sharing. Leah's a licensed counselor. She's also on our worship team. Sometimes you see her up here singing. And she spoke about the impact of these things that get stuck down in, inside of us and kind of uh, what damage they can do. I think if you think of your life or your body as like the kitchen trash can, <laughs> uh, that that's the trash can in the house that everyone wants to put trash in, whether stress, uh, anxiety, work, relationships, uh, finances, whatever. Um, everyone wants to put trash in that trash can, but no one wants to take that trash back to the street, right? It's like, so when people come up on that trash can in the house, they'll just push down on all the garbage and to put something else on top because they don't want to be the one to walk it out to the street can. Um, and we'll do that in life. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. We'll keep pushing. We'll address that later. We'll address my father's death later. We'll address 
my, my kid flunking out of college later, we'll address this and that, and we just push it down in hopes that we can just get more on top so we don't have to stop. But if we don't stop ourselves, our body will eventually stop us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what we'll see is people come in because they're crying because they can't stop. They're crying and they can't stop. They can't sleep. They're having constant relationship issues. They're harming themselves, whatever it is. And what their body is saying is, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. So now they've opened the trash can and the coffee grinds have come out. (laughs) You know, like it's just all spilling out on the floor. And there you'll find yourself trying to put it all back in. So you have to do things to get the trash out. Mm-hmm. You have to do things in your spiritual life to alleviate that. You have um, exercise. I was going to say all those things, nutrition, exercise, your spiritual life, talking with a good support network. Um, that all helps to uh, alleviate it and give the body relief. Um, but you have to be an authentic self, your authentic self to do that because you can only stuff it for so long. This is how we often deal with our mental and emotional health, isn't it? And we, we, the, the thing we do is we pull things from the spiritual health realm to stuff on top, and we think that'll fix it. So we're like, somebody says, like, you just need to study the Bible more, right? You just got to get in the Word, and that'll, that'll fix it. So we stuff some Bible study on top. Or you just need to pray. You had not prayed hard enough. That's why you're having all these problems, that's, that's why you're having all these bad thoughts. You just need to pray, or you just need to worship, right? Just put some worship music on, praise your problems away. That's what you need to do. Or you know what? You need to find community. That's what you need. You need community. You need relationships. You need support groups. So just get in a small group, and that'll probably fix it. Or stop thinking of yourself so much. Think of others and join a serve team. And that's, that's all you need to do, and then you can just be focused on others. Or, you know, listen, you just need to follow a lot of spiritual accounts on Instagram. Like with some, like, celebrity pastors with, like, little 30-second clips that their social media teams have put together. It's encouraging. And if you just follow that, like, if you just fill your life, if you just stuff Christian stuff on top. But you all know that won't fix it. Like sooner or later, if you're going to, if your life is going to be filled with truth, if your life is going to be filled with good things, excellent things, at some point, you have to clean it out. Somebody's got to take out the trash. Somebody's got to empty the bad stuff in there. And the, the Apostle Paul says this is absolutely necessary if we're going to have the mind of Christ. So before we dig into this passage, and this passage is probably the scripture that speaks the most clearly into uh, emotional and mental and spiritual health, let me tell you a few things that this passage is not about. This passage is not a scripture telling you to not see a counselor. This passage is not a scripture Uh, telling you that you don't need medication for chemical imbalance if a doctor has told you that you do. This passage is not a scripture telling you that you don't need therapy or support group. And this passage is not a scripture telling you that if you prayed harder, all your mental health problems would go away. And can I just say, I'm so sorry if someone in a position like mine has said that to you at some point. I'm so sorry if somebody with some spiritual authority has spoken falsehoods like that into your life. This is not what this scripture 
is about. The scripture is about how God would have us deal with the spiritual elements that link together that we've been talking about in this series uh, with our mental and emotional. What, what it is about is that clearly God has a stake, has a claim, has something to say about our thoughts. That our thoughts are part of God's redemptive work in us. God did not just come to redeem our souls so that we could go to heaven. God came to redeem our thoughts. God has something to say about our thoughts. And the scripture is a letter that is written to a church in a community called Corinth. Now, this is the second letter that the Apostle Paul has written to Corinth. And I think we just know, listen, if you got two letters in the Bible like Corinth and Thessalonians, they're just problems there, right? Like if Paul had to write two letters, there's just a lot going on. Corinth was a wild and immoral place. So, some of you have heard me say this. If you're kind of new to, to Mountaintop, we're so grateful that you're here. If you're watching online and you're new, we're so grateful that you, we're, you're letting us into your living rooms. Here's what I always just say about Corinth. Corinth was kind of the Vegas of the Mediterranean world. I mean, it was just wild. It, it, it was just a, everybody in the church in Corinth had a past. Everybody had a past. Everybody had a story. They had all had behaviors that they were probably ashamed of. So they were struggling with their new faith and their past behaviors and conforming to the culture that surrounded them. They were worldly it was all they had ever known. It was what they grew up with. And there was this, this sense that they were powerless against their culture, against their lust, against their desires, against their thoughts. Like, what, what are we supposed to do? I mean, yes, we believe in Jesus. Yes, we believe he died on the cross. Yes, we believe in the resurrection. But how do we deal with these thoughts that are still inside of us? There was a sense that the influences of the world and the experiences that they had had from the life that they had lived had a power over them that they couldn't do anything about. And Paul says, you have access. Friends, we have access to a power that is greater than this world. So we're going to look at this little section, and it's only a few verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you're watching along online, you want to open your Bibles up. If you're here and you're looking on your app or in your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible at the bookshelves when you leave, we would love to give you a hard copy. We're starting in verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3. And we're just going to take the first half of this verse. This is what, this is what Paul says. For though we live in the world, like you can't get away from it, right? We live in this world what happened to you, what's going on around you, all the yellow stuff, it's real. Like we all have experiences, we have trauma, we have hurt, we have all this stuff. You can't get around. Though we live in this world, it is a real world. It's not that Paul is discrediting that. It's what Paul is about to say. We have access to something that is not of this world. Yes, Though we live in this world, though what your experience was real, though your trauma was real, though your hurt was real, though your disappointment is real, listen to what Paul says. We, those of us who are in Christ, he's writing to the church, we do not wage war as the world does. And this passage is just 
littered with militaristic language. Uh, this is a military term. <clears throat> Paul sees this as an outright war for your soul, for my mind, for our hearts, for our emotions. Paul says there is an unseen battle going on for the unseen me and the unseen you. And we don't fight like the world fights. We don't approach combat the same way. Our tactics are different. Our strategies are different. And most importantly, Paul says, most importantly, Paul says, our weapons are different. Listen to what he says next. The weapons, this is a fight. This is a fight for your heart, for your spirit. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Paul doesn't disparage the weapons of the world. I mean, there are multiple ways to fight a battle. There are multiple ways to deal with the stench in the kitchen trash can, right? I mean, there are multiple ways. Sometimes it's that uh, big can of Lysol, right? And maybe you need some counseling and some therapy to help deal with the smell. Like that's a weapon of the world. And sometimes you need that. There might be. We tried to find those. Y'all remember in the 70s and 80s? If you're young, you don't remember that. But we used to have these little things, these little discs. And they were either pink or blue, right? I don't know why they were pink or blue. And you put them in the trash can and you just little stick them in there. We look, they don't sell them anymore. We couldn't find them. But they have these other things now, like you have something that you stick down in the trash can, and you push a little button, and it, it, it releases something that smells good in there. And that's one way to do it. And a weapon that this world has to deal with, sometimes, thank goodness there are great psychiatrists, thank goodness there are great mental health professionals and doctors. Sometimes we've got chemicals that are imbalanced. Sometimes we need medication. Paul's not saying that the weapons of this world aren't ones that we would use that aren't there. He's not disparaging, not discrediting the weapons of this world. Sometimes we need some good therapy, and sometimes we need some good medication to deal with mental health issues, with emotional health issues. But the weapons that we use in the spiritual realm that are linked to our mind, that are linked to our emotions. Well, Paul says our strategies and our weapons, they're different. He says, on the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine. Did you hear that? Remember what I said? This is not a scripture telling you you don't need therapy, not telling you that you don't need perhaps medication to see a mental health professional. This is a scripture telling us that we have access to supernatural divine power. Supernatural divine power. Here's what Paul is saying, and it's what I've been talking about through this series, that our thoughts are linked to our spirit, and we are often losing the spiritual war in our minds. There is an overlap between our thoughts and our hearts and our spirits. And we have access to deal with the spiritual war. In fact, Paul says it's, it's already won. And I love the language. It just sounds like Paul likes to blow stuff up, doesn't it? 
demolish. I mean, we're not going to be, we're going, this demolishes strongholds. The self-talk, all that red stuff that has defined your life, locked in your identity, put you in bondage, put a stronghold over your life that has been a mental block that you can't seem to get rid of. Paul says you have access to a weapon that will absolutely blow them to shreds that will demolish them. You have access to a divine power. The same God who raised Jesus from the grave lives in you. The same God. The same spirit that breathed over the void of nothingness in Genesis 1 to create the heavens and the earth. That spirit lives inside of you, follower of Jesus. It lives inside of you. You have access to that kind of power, the, the power that split a sea before the Egyptian army for the Israelites to walk through, you have that power inside of you. Don't underestimate the divine power that you have access to. You have weapons available to absolutely demolish strongholds. So how do we use those? Sounds good, right? <laughs> I mean, how do you use this weapon? How do I pick it up? This is what Paul says, and here's this word again. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Every pretension that sets itself up against. We don't just defeat them, we demolish them. This word for pretension, it's an interesting word. There are other translations that, uh, that say an elevated structure or a barrier. It's an architectural term that actually means for something to be built up against to um, a wall that has surrounded you, that has hemmed you in. You ever had some of those thoughts on the red? And it feels, like it's a, it feels like it's a barrier against you. It feels like something that has been built up against you. It feels like a wall that has closed in your identity, your sense of self-worth. It's a stronghold. That thing that feels like an emotional wall. Paul says, we demolish arguments and every wall that's built up against us, every barrier that's break up, and we set itself up against the knowledge of God. And can we just be real for a second? One of the main, one of the main struggles we have in this area of these walls that are built up against us and this, these pretensions, these walls that hem us in, is one of the things we talked about at the beginning. One of the problems here that we, there's such a struggle is that we have to deal with the trauma that transpired. For some of us, this is the big deal. Like we've, it happened. You were hurt. It was a tragedy. It has shaped you. You can't get away from it. You wish you could pray it away. But it was real. And so we have to figure out how do we deal with the trauma that transpired and the truth that transcends. How do we hold intention? This thing that is so real, that so shaped our life, that so defined us, that is the root for a lot of those red words. 
But does it get to define your life? Does it get to tell you who you are? Does it get to write the next chapter in your book? Does it get to say what your future you is? Who you are? Or is there a truth that transcends that? What Paula says is that we take, we demolish every pretension, and even when trauma builds a barrier against us and hems us in, we put it up against the knowledge of God. Meaning, Paul says, Whatever has built this barrier up against you, whatever, it doesn't get to define your life if it is against the knowledge of God. What Paul is saying is he's asking this question, do you believe what Jesus says? Do you believe what Jesus says about you or what the trauma says about you? Do you believe what Jesus says about you or what the self-talk says about you? Do you believe what Jesus says about you or what the negative things in your mind say about you? Do you believe what Jesus says about you or what the tragedy says about you? Do you believe what Jesus says about you or somebody else said about you? And of course that raises another question. I mean, do you, do you know what Jesus says? Do you know what Jesus says about you? This is why this book is so precious. It holds the promises of God. It tells you who God is for you and who you are in Christ. This book is a weapon against the lies of the enemy. This is why memorizing scripture, internalizing scripture, studying God's word is so important because when you have one of those thoughts, I want you to have a weapon and say that, you, you don't get to define who I am. This is, this is a truth that transcends everything. This book is a weapon. And then Paul makes a final critical point. Final critical point, and this is so good. This is, this is where he just leans into the space in probably the most clear way in all of Scripture. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Remember I said this, this Scripture is littered with military uh, language. It's, and this is a beautiful one. This take captive... Uh, this is a fun word to say, all right? In Greek, achmalatizo is what it says. Achmalatizo. Everybody just say that together. Achmalatizo. And apologize to the person sitting in front of you. You spit on them a little bit. Achmalatizo. And it is a military term that leads, means to lead away captive, to take a prisoner of war. Paul says, you are at war in here. And you need to take those thoughts captives. Take that thought. And when you say, I have too much baggage, I'm going to make that obedient to Christ. Is that what Christ says about me? No. Christ says, I am redeemed. I am forgiven, and my sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west. And I put that outside the camp. 
That thought, I'm going to make obedient to Christ, I'm going to take it as a prisoner of war for my soul. That thought does not get to decide who I am. I don't have too much baggage. Jesus says, I am clean, I am pure, I am holy, I am free in his sight. I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. It's simply this. This is what Paul is saying. Throw out the thoughts that aren't what Christ thinks. Throw out the thoughts that aren't what Christ thinks. If you have a negative self-talk thought, if I have a negative self-talk thought, if I have something going on in my mind that, that comes from something that happened to me or come, bubbles up from somewhere, no, I am going to take those things outside the camp into captivity. I am going to take all of those things that are a part of my life, all of those thoughts that I have, that sooner or later I have got to empty the trash can I have got to take them all captive and get them out of my heart and get them out of my life so that I can begin again renewed, refreshed, redeemed by God. I'm going to make those thoughts obedient to Christ. They are not even worth thinking about. Throw out the thoughts that aren't what Christ thinks. All of this stuff is a lie from the enemy. They're not what Jesus says you are. You know what Jesus says you are? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are redeemed. You are made in God's image. You are forgiven. You have a mansion in heaven being prepared for you. You are not alone. There is a God who sent his son to be God with us. You are in Christ, and Christ lives in you. You have a helper in the Holy Spirit. You can call God Abba Father because you are his child. God has numbered the hairs of the, on your head, and he knit you together in your mother's womb. He wants to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. He is listening to your prayers. They are a fragrant incense sitting beside his throne in heaven. He is working for the good of those that love him. You have a hope. You have a future. You have a God who loves you so much that he sent his only son for you. That is who you are. But you can't get rid of that stuff that happened to you. It's still part of the story. And you're still going to need to put all those good things in there. And come on, you ever taken out a really stinky trash? And even though it is like 200 yards away outside by the curb, you can still smell it in the trash can. And you might still need some therapy and some counseling to help get rid of the stench that those thoughts left. You might need, still need to see a professional that God, that God has ordained just like he has ordained a pastor to help people on their mental health and emotional health journey. But first, I hope first, you will do the work. 
you will do the work to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That you will declare the truth to those thoughts. That you have a hope. You have a future. Because you are not what these things say. You are a child of the mountain mover. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that um, that you care. God, you could have given your son Jesus to us to save our souls, and that would have been enough. But thank you that you care about our minds, too. Thank you that you care about our emotions. Thank you that you care about the unseen me. Thank you that you call us child. Even when our heart feels like an orphan. Remind us, God who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen.